Welcome to Arranging Us with Carventa Collins, the show where Carventa breaks down ideas and views on women's topics in a demystified way. The key is to put things in a neat and suitable sequence to bring out the most satisfactory adjustments in women's lives. This show will enable listeners to affect change, create new awareness, and move right into action while keeping in mind the bigger picture of balancing family life, social life, and last but not least, spiritual life. Now, here's your host, your biopsychosocial life coach, Carvinta Collins. Today, we will discuss how sociocultural influences of sex really affect how we see sex. Now, just a reminder, I am not diagnosing anyone in this session. I am not a doctor, and this session is for informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast is intended to substitute for treatment provided by a mental health professional. The purpose of my sessions is to assist women in making changes in their lives through supportive guidance. The information I offer is based on my life and work experience. Now, I am going to take this time to say that if you have little children in your presence, please do not continue to listen until you are comfortable or in an adult space to receive the following information. I'll give you time to do whatever you need to do right now so that the babies can hear this adult conversation. Again, y'all know I love the babies. Y'all know I love the baby arrangers. (laughs) It's not explicit or vulgar, but I just don't want the little ones to get introduced or exposed to this before they need to. This next five-week cycle of sessions will speak on sex and intimacy in the bedroom. Now, let's get to it. Before I jump right into how our culture and upbringing influence our perception of sex, I want to know, have you ever had an uncomfortable conversation about sex with others around you? Do you understand the influence that the media, family, parents, or friends have on how you view sex? Do you think we have cultural norms when we talk about sex? We are going to explore and demystify the sexual norms in an informal way while considering one of the five interactive forces, the sociocultural force, and how we should become hyper-aware of the way sex is pushed in our society. I don't know, man. Today, I got a little pep in my step. (laughs) I'm feeling really good. So most of us can say that we have had different ideas about sex and sexual things while growing up into our womanhood, right? So some of us come from religious backgrounds, others from just a strict culture. Others might have come from a free sexual environment, like the 60s sex revolution. And, you know, others may have had healthier and balanced ideas about sex through their parents and mentors or guardians or others might, you know, haven't been exposed to it at all. Like they never been exposed to it. So no matter what upbringing you had, 
we can say that it had been an interesting road in the least. The impact that sociocultural and the influences have directly affected women's sexuality. And the more information we get, it can help provide a greater understanding of how we see sex differently, which is okay. Because human sexuality is a multifaceted part of being human. Identifying culture as one of the key influences in defining the appropriate way of behaving and thinking about sex, which makes these delicate intricacies, including knowledge, attitudes, and behaviors, an amazing thing to tap into. I want us to take the time right now to have us think about sex and how we perceive it. Is it a dirty thing? Is it a gift from God? Is it liberation? Is it communication? Is it something that gives you power? Is it just something for men? Well, living in America in the 21st century, people are not seeing traditional sexual ethics in the same way. It has become very outdated, according to Barna.com. They say that half of U.S. adults, which is 50%, agree strongly that choosing not to have sex outside of marriage is healthy. But generational differences are significant. Six in 10 elders, that is 59%, agree strongly with the statement, compared to 53% of boomers. 49% of Gen Xers and 43% of millennials We just all over the place, right? But practicing Christians, 72% are almost twice as likely as adults of no faith, 38%, to say that choosing not to have sex outside marriage is a healthy choice. Women, 56% are more likely than men to think about this. Men was 43% to hold this view. Compared to those who have never been married, which was 41%, people who are married was 53%. And somewhat surprisingly, cohabitating adults, 49% are more likely to agree with the statement strongly. They also stated that when asked about the purpose of sex, was to express intimacy between two people who love each other. It was 63% of people that thought that. But to reproduce, to have children, it was 60%. Then they saw that the purpose for sex and to connect with another person in an enjoyable way, it was 45% of people that felt this one was it. ABC News polls showed that in America, 57% of Americans have had sex outside or in a public place. Mm-mm-mm. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Have talked with their partners about their sexual fantasies. 42% call themselves sexually adventurous. 29% have had sex on a first date. And about as many have had an unexpected sexual encounter with someone new. 15% of men and 3 in 10 single men aged 30 and older have paid for sex. 
About half of women say they faked an orgasm. Two-thirds of sexually active Americans sometimes wear something sexy to enhance their sex lives. And 30% say they and their partner have watched sexually explicit videos. One in five, around 40 million people, say they've looked at porn websites. Many men and women about equally have had rebound sex to get over a failed relationship. I am giving you this information because I want us to understand how society, culture, and our environment have their own views on sex and how they deal with sex. Plus, I want us to see if what we believe about sex is from our core and what we really see it as. Or do our social surroundings tell us how to perceive sex? Seriously, how do you really, really see sex? Let me continue while you think about how to answer that. Back to the ABC polling. They said, in some cases where activity is less common, fantasies takes over. Among people who are married or living in a committed relationship or formerly married, 16% have cheated on their partner, nearly twice as many men as women, while more than 30% have fantasized about it. 14% of adults and twice as many single men have had sex in a threesome, while an additional 21% have fantasized about it. 12% have had sex at their workplace, and it's been a fantasy for 1 in 10 more. There are other signs of yearning among the 55% who describe their sexual activity as traditional. About 3 in 10 would like to be more adventurous, and more 4 in 10, especially men, would like more adventurousness in their partners. The survey also finds huge differences in sexual attitudes between men and women. It underscores the wages of sin. Divorced or separated men are twice as likely to have been unfaithful in their marriage. And it demolishes the notion that singles are swinging. Even among young singles under 30, nearly half are not dating at all. And among those who are dating, 8 in 10 are dating one person exclusively. Monogamy, again, rules the roost. 70% of men think about sex every day. Double the rate among women. Indeed, 43% of men think about sex several times a day. Just 13% of women do that. 83% of men enjoy sex a great deal. That falls to 49% of women. Yeah. So overall, women report an average of six sex partners in their lifetimes. Men, 20. But a better gauge of sexual activity for most people is the median, the midpoint between high and low. Women report a median of three sex partners, men a median of eight. Now we know that this is not true for every person. Some men might not think about sex several times a day. So I just wanna make sure that we understand that this is a survey and we should be able to take that and know that you might not fit in these categories. 
The average are higher because a small number of individuals, especially men, report a very large number of partners. 5% of the men in this sample reported having had 99 or more sex partners, including four who reported 200, three who reported 300, and one who reported 400. <sighs> Very busy. Among women, 1% reported having 99 or more partners. 1%. The high was 100, reported by two women. Women are more conservative about sex in other ways. They're more apt than men to say there's too much sex on TV, 84% to 62%. They're less likely than men to condone sex before marriage, 54 to 68%. And 61% of sexually active women, compared with 50% of men, call themselves sexually traditional, not adventurous. In other personal predilections, men are twice as likely as women to sleep in the nude. 31% of men and 14% of women, and women are much more likely to prefer to have sex with the lights off. That's 51% of women and 27% of men. In the online realm, men are more than three times as likely as women to have looked at a sexually explicit website, and doing so spikes among men under 30. Relatively few, but 11% of young men have participated in sex chat rooms. Women are much more likely to regard either of these activities as being unfaithful. The big picture, sexually speaking, is as follows. 97% of adult Americans have ever had sexual intercourse, 3% are virgins. 78% have had sex in the last year, which is 86% of men and 70% of women. And 64% are currently involved in a sexual relationship. Excluding senior citizens is 72%. Among those who've had sex in the last year, the vast majority, 86%, have had a single sex partner in that time period. Far fewer adults, however, have had a single sex partner in their entire lifetime, a quarter of women and 12% of men. Coupling is the norm. More than 8 in 10 Americans are either married, 52%, living with a partner in a committed relationship, 8%, widowed, 8%, or given wedlock a world but are now separated or divorced is 15%. 17% mainly younger adults have never married. Americans say that they first have had sex at an average age of 18, 17 for men, 18 for women. Seniors report an average first time age of 19. For adults under 25, it's 16. In a difference between the sexes, half of the women compared with 37% of men say that in retrospect, that was too young to start. 1% say they had first had sex at age 30 or later. One female respondent said it was at age 50, another at 42, and a man at 39. Those who have had sex do so with some regularity. 
Among those currently in a sexual relationship, 85% have sex about once a week or more, including 41% several times weekly, and 8% have sex daily. And people like it? 84% of all women and 95% of men enjoy sex. Although, as noted, men are much, which is 24 points, more apt to enjoy it a great deal. With all this information, it lets us know that sex is something that cannot be ignored. That's why I thought it was important to break down sex in this five-week cycle because it's being talked about, but are we connecting sex with normal life? Or do we connect it to a secret part of us that needs no conversation? This is huge. And now it's time for Carventa's Personal Account Rundowns, where personal stories are humbly shared. Now, arrangers, sit back, relax, and let's begin. Well, here is part of the show where I sometimes share a personal story of mine or someone else's. I can even sometimes rant about the topic I am speaking on. Okay. So a therapist believed that couples who make love once a day are the happiest. So he wanted to ensure his theory was correct. And at a seminar, he asked those assembled, how many people here have sex once a day? Half the people raised their hands, each of them grinning wildly like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Then the therapist asked, who has sex once a week? A third of people raised their hands, their grins a bit less vibrant, like, hmm, okay, yeah, once a week, that's us, that's the crowd. Then he says once a month, a few hands slowly went up. Then he asked, how about once a year? One man in the back jumps up and down excitedly waving his hands. (laughs) The therapist is shocked. This disproved his theory, and he had to know. So he asked the man, If you have sex only once a year with your spouse, why are you so happy? The man yells, today is that day. (laughs) He was was happy, not because he was getting, getting it once a year. He was happy because today was that day that he was getting it within that year. Oh my goodness. All jokes aside, this is how our society sees sex. Women are not interested and men are obsessed with it. Women are boring and are bored in the bedroom and men are fast and are not focused. Christians don't find pleasure in the bedroom and non-believers are casual with the hookup culture taking over. These are some of the views that we have to deal with and it's difficult. It is very difficult, but there are so many things that makes us see sex differently. And I can say that for me, it has been a long and complicated journey. So sex was always something I felt kept changing and I could never quite get my finger on it. And I think that sometimes it brings exhaustion when you feel like you need to do everything that everyone believes should be done in the sexual realm. 
And I remember speaking to someone and they expressed that sex became a fear because of the expectations they felt they had from themselves, the world, and um, from Christians. And they just stayed away from it altogether. Then throwing being molested at an early age on top of all the other expectations, just more anxiety to them than pleasure. So they basically just stayed away from it, from just the the brokenness and, you know, just the hurt and the expectations. This affected their marriage, not being able to have a child for their husband and creating space or distance between them that led them getting a divorce because the vulnerability, the intimacy, the trust, and the sexless marriage took a toll on the whole relationship. They said they created anger, bitterness, selfishness, and hatred amongst both. And they decided that since they could not overcome this fear, they decided their vows were not worth keeping. I have heard plenty of similar stories. And this hit home because I know this pain that it can bring and how it's hard to reach out about this very topic because it is talking about sex and some do not want to open up about it because it has embarrassing undertones or they feel like this is private and since it is private, I don't have to give too much thought into it. When these things happen, the couple can ignore it until they can't ignore it anymore. But by that time, they don't have the resources or the energy to deal with it. And most throw in the towel before seeing any improvements. That's why I think it is very important for me to share these things and the information. How ironic is it that we don't talk about or deal with the very things that have us here? (laughs) We all are here from sex Sex, 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 sex. (laughs) The same action that created us is the very action most couples divert from. So as women, I know that we already have a lot on our plates, but we really need to prioritize this because it's so valuable. It's so valuable. It has value. It has value. So the First Coast News gives us a tip on how to make sure that we reach out in a healthy way. And here's the clip. September is Sexual Health Awareness Month, and OBGYN and host of the Women's Health Podcast, Dr. Jackie's Point of V, Dr. Jackie Walters joins me now to clear up the myths and misconceptions on the subject and to empower women to speak up, ask the right questions, and get the facts on taking charge of their bodies. So we're excited to have you here today, doctor. How can women best take charge of their sexual health, in your opinion? Absolutely. I tell all of all my patients and all women that knowledge is power. Increase your vaginal IQ, or I call it the VQ. Definitely, if you go into your sexual and vaginal health with more confidence and less fear, it allows more open and honest conversations with your doctor. Find a doctor, though, that you can talk to, that you feel comfortable with, and that does not make you feel judged. And then you'll be willing to ask any and every question. And I promise you, Jordan, your vaginas will thank you later. <laughs> and I love that. It's so true. Knowledge is power. I feel like that with my therapist, too. you got to find someone that you feel comfortable with, and you'll open up more. So it makes sense for this, too. 
Now that I have given you my personal account segment, giving someone else's struggle, I hope I at least have had you thinking about how important it is to analyze your sexual actions or the lack thereof. Please be sure to like, do what Dr. Walter says, start to increase your vaginal IQ. Now, I just want us to leave with an understanding of how we see sex. Is it a healthy view or is it a view that caused some cloudiness? Ladies, overall, I pray that we find time for sex, whether that is the action, research, or conversations. First, we should examine why we see sex the way that we do. Then, I would like for you to make sure you find healthy influences and perspectives on sex overall. Lastly, increase, increase, increase your vaginal IQ to bring healthy confidence for you and your spouse. At this time, I would like to thank my family, friends, and all the women who encourage me every day to be simply me and not overcomplicate who I am. And I have to give a personal shout out and thank you to new arrangers Rochelle Johnson and Nada Archie. Thank you for becoming an arranger listener by supporting this podcast on Patreon. So a big shout out to you. Thank you so much, ladies, for the support. This is what it's all about, supporting other women who are trying to make a difference. This helps with software equipment, better materials, and other podcasting stuff as well. Again, thank you. If you like how I broke down the social cultural force dealing with outside influences about sex, please stay tuned for the next episode. I will break down the spiritual force regarding God and how the word gives us an idea of how God sees sex. Again, if you have little children in your presence, please do not continue to listen until you are in a comfortable or in an adult space to receive the information. So please become an arranger today. Also, I will start doing bi-weekly shows starting this month just because I want to spend more time researching and going a little deeper into topics and giving you guys my all. I know I wanted to start every week just to get myself out there and make things happen, so I am appreciative of the time spent and the love that you guys are pouring out to me. This podcast is growing out of hard work and created with love. You are so much appreciated and I'll see you in the next session. Thank you for listening to Arranging Us with Carvinta Collins. By choosing to spend a portion of your limited time today with your ears and brain space, we hope this session has been beneficial and fruitful. Come back often, and we will appreciate it if you subscribe, share with others, post about it on social media, and rate and review. Please support us on patreon.com forward slash arranging us, or donate on Cash App using cash.app 
forward slash dollar sign arranging us. And most importantly, visit Carvinta Collins Life Coaching website to book an individual session on a budget at survivingscarsuccessfully.com. Again, the website is survivingscarsuccessfully.com to find extra resources and more products. It's very much appreciated. We humbly thank you for listening and remember to detect, check, affect, and accept what's going on in your life. Have a blessed rest of your day.